It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Today is Farmer Friday, so we would love to hear from you all throughout the show. Our phone lines will be open 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743 or email us radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute here. Before we do, I just want to tell you this. I'm, I'm picking up a lot of information throughout the ag chem industry that supplies are starting to run tight on certain things. Everything from cardboard to plastic to certain uh, uh, certain active ingredients, certain uh, just some of the inert ingredients even. So I'm, I'm just trying to tell you this. We have better commodity prices right now than we had at this point a year ago and certainly better than about April or May from a year ago. So there's a lot of optimism. There are a lot of these areas that were wet that have dried out. So now people hopefully are going to be able to plant this spring. And so, and of course, finishing up the COVID deal should be done shortly. Hopefully everybody's vaccinated in the next few months. And then we're done, we move on, and so people are getting excited. But you're not going to be very excited if at the last minute you got to go spray a weed or a bug or kill a disease and you can't get any product. So we've said this several times in the last few months, but if you have not bought your stuff for 2021 and you're a farmer, get going, okay? It's time to go now. I'm going to be super blunt. I don't know why you would wait, okay? The price is as good as it's going to get. Everything's going up from here on out. And I'm dead serious. Stuff's probably going to go up between now and next fall, you know, going for the 2022 season in the range of 5 to 20%, depending on the product. So just buy stuff now. Just get it done now. And bring product home now so you know you have it. There, I will promise you there are retailers and lots of them in the United States and Canada that will run out of certain products this year. It's going to happen. I can already see it happening. So... I, I, I'm not trying to get you super panicked, but if you haven't bought your stuff, your input, your crop inputs for the 2021 growing season, as soon as you get done listening to Ag PhD Radio today, or maybe while you're listening to it, you drive somewhere and go get it bought. Okay, it's time. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag. All right, got this from TF to start off our mailbag segment. He said the most underrated factor in stock quality is planting population. The problem with getting it right is planting population is obviously established at seeding, but its success will be influenced by factors that happen throughout the growing season. Well, you're right about that, TF. you got to make your plant population choice yep. up front, and putting a lot more plants out there with the same amount of fertility means each stock is going to get a little less than if you would at a lower pop. You're absolutely right about that. Yes, I agree 100%. We were just talking to a group of farmers about that exact thing here a little while ago. So let's let's that's let's why put we're this tra- another that's why way. We're trying to get the most, like in corn, for example, we're trying to get the most bushels per thousand seeds that right. we put out there. So we're doing everything we can to get a great stand and feed each plant so we have a great stock. So we still have stuff out there in the fall standing in, in a position that we can harvest. But it. here's what I want you to think about. 
If you go from 30,000 plants per acre on corn, just for example, well, I'll take corn, 30,000 to 33,000, that is an increase of 10%. At the same time, are you increasing your phosphorus, your potassium, your boron, your manganese, your zinc, your iron, your copper, your nitrogen, everything? Are you increasing all those things 10%? If you're not, you are now weakening every single stock you've got out there. And let's take it one step further. When you went from 24,000 to 30,000, you increased roughly it was over 20%, okay, so or almost 25%. It would be 25%. Boy, my math is terrible. Uh, anyway, the, the point is you need more fertility, and it's mainly the P and the K, sulfur, and all those micronutrients you got to focus on. Few farmers screw it up when it comes to nitrogen. Most people have enough nitrogen. It's all the other things that typically end up lacking, and then we have stock issues. And then people start saying, oh, it's the derecho, or the year before in South Dakota, we had the same thing as derecho in Iowa in 2020. We had the exact same thing in 2019, just same winds, all that kind of stuff. And people just said, oh, it's a big wind, and yeah, they yeah, had certain fields that were way worse than others. Okay, if you have certain fields or certain areas of fields, soil test those and then soil test the really good areas. And we can all blame things on hybrids, but the point is we want to make everything better, every hybrid better. And I would not blame a loss because of wind on a hybrid. I would blame it on either bugs, diseases, or fertility. So anyway... Yes, fertility is super important. All right, I got a fertility question here, and this one comes from Stan. He, he said, I'm in North Alabama. Wondering what your thoughts are on using 30.003 as a carrier for burndown applications. My CEC is in the high single digits, so I'm going to have to use multiple nitrogen applications. I'd be mixing this nitrogen with glyphosate, 2,4-D, and Valor. Just wondering if I should also mix in some water for dilution, too. How much? How many gallons? Doesn't say how many gallons. Yeah. So no, I don't love that. And here's the reason why. What we find is there are other contaminants in in fertilizer that is not spray grade fertilizer. So just for example, you're putting glyphosate in there. Well, one of the things that neutralizes glyphosate, the thing that neutralizes it the most, is dirt. And there might be some of that in there. There might be some other stuff that neutralizes the glyphosate. I don't know what you've got. On top of that, glyphosate works slow, fertilizer and 2,4-D work fast. So if you want quick burn down, you do you use things like that, fertilizer, 2,4-D, even Valor. But glyphosate works slow. So when you put 2,4-D together with glyphosate, or when you put fertilizer, and I mean lots of fertilizer, not little, but lots of fertilizer with glyphosate, what happens is the plant will shut down before the glyphosate gets the cha chance to go all the way down into the root system of a perennial weed, for example. So... I don't love the idea, but I also don't know how much glyphosate we're talking about here. If all you're throwing in is 16 ounces of glyphosate just to kill a few grass plants, it might not be that big a deal. But here's my next concern. Unless these are enlist beans, there's no possible chance I'm throwing 2,4-D in as a burn down. 2,4-D is way too hard on normal beans. Don't do it. Use Germoxone or Liberty or something else instead of that 2,4-D just to give you added burn. All right, we will get to the phone lines and take your phone calls right after this here on Ag PhD Radio. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans. 
Elite Genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. When it comes to effective herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. They've been bringing growers trusted brands like Burnmaster, Scorch, and Spitfire for decades, made right here in the USA. What's your favorite New Farm brand? Email it to turnuptheburn at newfarm.com and you'll be entered to win a monthly $1,000 product giveaway. In these unprecedented times, you're facing unprecedented pressure. New Farm's here to help. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky Herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. That means our phone lines are open throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD, and we would love to hear from you today. We'll start off down in Iowa. We've got Dave on with us right now. Dave, how's it going? Uh, going well, guys. How are you? Pretty good. All right, so we're eight weeks away from planting, and... I'm just thinking, Brian was talking earlier, we got to have all our supplies on hand because stuff's starting to get tight and prices are going up, and we've got to have our planter ready to go soon, too. How are you coming? You got the planter already? You got supplies on hand yet? Uh, well, neither of those are true right now, but we're working on it. Uh, spent most of the week with suppliers working on uh, finalizing plans for the spring, but we're going to do a little bit of modification to the planter this year and add some starter fertilizer. Uh, run some starter that we haven't been doing before and also want to try with uh, using some biologicals too. Awesome. Okay, talk to me about the starter then. How are you doing? Are you going in furrow when you say starter or are you putting it off to the side? What what type of system are you doing? Yeah, the plan is in furrow. Uh, I want to get it uh, where that, that seedling root grows through it so it doesn't have to go searching for it. Okay, cool, cool. Now, when you're doing this, uh, is is it super complicated to get it hooked up or just, just takes a little bit of time? Uh, it just takes a little bit of time. We're going with a system that's pretty well prepackaged, so uh, once it gets shipped in here, it's a matter of just installing everything and, and a little time in the shop, and it shouldn't be too tough. Excellent. Okay, now then answer this question too. Is this mainly for corn, or are you thinking about putting fertilizer in there for soybeans also? Not so much fertilizer with soybeans, but we're actually looking at doing some uh, some work with putting uh, the inoculant right in the furrow under the soybean seed. Oh, cool! Uh, trying to get a little a little better response than we have with putting it on the seed. 
Yeah, you know that's that's interesting, and and it'll be fun to to hear how that turns out for you. We've we've done a lot of different put inoculant out a lot of different ways, and I know they normally say you're using a little higher rate if you're going to do it in furrow versus on the seed. But if you get more bugs out there, there's there's a potential for a bigger gain too. So that that could be interesting, especially this year when each bushel is worth so much. Well, and that's the thing is that each incremental bushel is is a lot more valuable than it was a few years ago. So we can we can uh, we can play around a little bit with this stuff this time. This time we couldn't a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, that will be neat. Okay, so you said, you also mentioned you're finalizing plans with suppliers. What are you hearing from them in terms of of pricing and and supply issues that kind of thing? Anything in your area of Iowa it's starting to get tight that they were kind of saying, man, this one's getting close to sold out? Anything like that? Nothing yet that I've heard of. The prices are starting to creep up a little bit as time goes on. That's why I'm trying to get everything locked down by the end of the month. But uh, so far, I keep hearing things are tight, but when I ask for them, it's there. So okay. I, I don't know if it's the salesman's gamemanship or if it's true. Yep, yep. Well, it'll be interesting to see. Certainly a lot of acres going in this year. I know they're they're projecting some acreage increases, well, out our way in a big way, just coming off of all the prevent plant the last couple of years. But, yeah, it'll be uh, be a fun season for sure. Well, Dave, good luck to you here as you get that starter set up going and, and get all ready for, for 2021. Good luck to you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, same to you. Let's head down to Texas. We've got Carl with us right now. Carl, how are you doing? Oh, we're doing all right, I guess. Things already just hot and heavy down in Texas. You guys out in the field? Shoot. No, we just got like six or eight inches of snow in the last couple of weeks, and we set record low temperatures, and it's a mess. Yeah, it's 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 not good, and I probably I probably shouldn't have started off saying hot and heavy out there because I know it definitely hasn't been hot. Uh, so okay, so you mentioned the six to eight inches of snow. What when you when you look at that uh, temperatures, obviously picking up here going forward. What would when would you normally be getting out in the field? Well, we normally start planting. Most people start planting by the tenth of March. Okay. So is Some there still before, but not normally. Is there still hope to get a relatively normal start to that, or have you been been just super wet too? No, we've actually had a drier winter than we've had in, I don't know, three years. I mean, last three years it'll start raining in October and never quit till sometime in March. It's just been horrible. <clears throat> then when it quits, of course it quits. And um, so... Last year, we had lots and lots and lots of acres that never got planted at all. <clears throat> and uh, then when stuff we did get planted, ended up being worse yields than in the year before. So we got to have a good year. And people lost so much money on corn and beans because of low yields that now we've covered this country up with wheat. And... Uh, so hopefully with everybody saying with this snow, we'll have a big wheat crop. So we need one. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. Well, uh, it, we, uh, 
We've got wheat in our area quite often too here, and and guys normally like to have a little bit of that snow cover out there. It's it's moisture that's going to melt and hopefully stay pretty much in those fields. So yeah, hopefully catch a little bit of moisture going into the spring and get it off to a good start. Did did the fertility work get done quite a bit in the fall, or is there a lot of that that goes on once you start greening up in the spring? Well, we fertilize it and stuff kind of all through the winter. If we can, a year ago we could never, we never got back once we planted it till spring. But this time we've been back twice. We put uh, Amaflex and Glory on it for some weeds. <clears throat> and then we put uh, 200 gallons of 1912-3 because we didn't get any dry down in the fall. And then we came back the other day, well, two weeks ago, right for all this weather with 10 gallons of 28, the 28.005. And now when it dries up, we'll go back and hit it again with, I don't know, maybe 30 gallons of 28, 25, 30 gallons of 28. Sure, sure. Yep. Yeah, it's a it's a process, no doubt about it. Well, Carl, good luck to you here. I, I know the... The snow and cold weather was certainly not welcomed, but hopefully, uh, hopefully no, that it was, it was pretty bad. Hopefully, uh, you get some more moisture going into the spring, and get things rolling. Thanks for calling. Really appreciate yeah, we gotta, it. Yeah. Okay. You bet. Thanks, Carl. Uh, Brian, we had another question come in. We were talking fertilizer there for a second, and, and Mitch from Minnesota had one he wanted to get in. He said, we, we do feed a lot of our own corn to our cattle, and I'm wondering if putting more micros out on the crop side is going to ch- change my crop nutritional content, or am yep. I just going to get more yield and my feed composition will stay the same? No, your feed composition is absolutely going to change. This is one of the things we talk about all the time. If you want to improve animal health, it's the same thing as improving human health. What do you do? You got to make sure that you've got a well-balanced diet. And if the food that you're providing is more nutrient rich, which it will be, if you better feed that crop, well, then you should be able to get by with fewer supplements and, or you should have a healthier herd. All right. Thanks for that question, Mitch. Uh, Also got one in from SB who said, you're talking about wheat herbicides i'm wondering what you do to control field bindweed in wheat this one can be a real challenge for us uh yep that's that's a tough one field bindweed is a perennial weed so the good news is you have opportunities at other times of year when that wheat is not in the ground So I'm just trying to say in the off season, you could go kill it with something like glyphosate at a strong rate. Well, that's glyphosate's been a challenge though, Brian, that even the 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 two quart rate is not perfect on that one. Nope. Nope. It's not the greatest. You know, the vine species, it's not the greatest, but it certainly helps. And so I'm just trying to say you can, you can really ding it up with a lot of those other treatments. So most of the time, what we do in crop is wide match um, or the new wide R match in wheat. So I, I would certainly, if it was me, I'd probably look at wide R match in wheat. Now you could also do something like husky if you want, that's just going to burn it down. But the good thing with wheat is a lot of times it chokes out most weeds. If you can just ding them up a little bit, you just suppress the weeds a little and you do everything else to, you need to, to raise a great crop and you'll, you'll be in pretty good shape. And then you just have to hit it post harvest as well. 
Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the show today. You can send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or call us at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. One question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Don't let resistant weeds win on your field. Herbicide-resistant weeds are a fierce competitor of corn growers. Tough 5EC, a selective contact herbicide manufactured by Belgium Crop Protection, can help. Tough 5EC synergizes HPBD inhibitors and enhances the effect of PS2 herbicides. Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix team and beat resistant weeds. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BelgiumUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's Mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farm your way. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. It's Farmer Friday. We're taking your calls and questions all throughout the show. Let's get back to the phone lines here. Got Drew with us down in Alabama. Drew, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? We're doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. What's going on on your farm? Well, uh, mostly we've been getting a lot of rain in the last few weeks and spend a lot of time trying to keep keep our cows fed, but... um, 
we haven't been able to do much field work at all getting ready for the 2021 crop season so we've just been kind of looking at budgets in the office and changing our crop mix as the prices change it seems like absolutely hey tell me about your cattle uh, cow calf operation or feeder cows what have you got yeah cow calf operation so is this calving season for you in alabama or when do you normally do your calving well we're fall calving so we're usually um october to to christmas pretty much all our calves will be born okay Okay, just curious. I know uh, seeing a lot of pictures online, a lot of farmers that we're talking to are just getting started in this process. This cold snap didn't work out. The timing was was not exactly ideal for that. So there have been a lot of challenges around it. Just curious. I know you said you had a lot of rain, so having calves in the mud sure isn't much fun either. Um, now, when it comes to the field work, did you get a lot of stuff done in preparation for this spring, or is the spring field work kind of a big deal to, to get the, the soil and seedbed ready? Um, we try to do most of our tillage probably, you know, in the January, February time frame. If we can get, we do strip till mostly. And if we can just get a week or two of dry weather, we can knock out a lot of that work out. And some of our, um, getting our P and K put down, um, you know, ahead of planting and stuff. But it's been raining so much, we have, we're probably only 20% of the tillage I'd like to do done. And, uh, no fertilizer out yet so we're looking at planting corn you know by the third week in march probably so starting to starting to push on our uh, deadlines a little bit sure sure now i know you guys plant quite a few different crops or at least you're flexible enough that that from time to time you do have quite a di- quite a diverse crop mix is there any crop that today's markets are kind of ruling out for you that you're saying, well, I'm not going to do much in, in oats or I'm not going to do much in cotton with today's prices? Uh, or are there any crops that you're saying, man, they're going to get a lot more acres this year? You know, um, we had I had been pushing my cotton acreage down and I had been de- trying to decide with my dad, you know, whether we're going to have much more cotton or not. And there's kind of a baseline number he likes me to work with, but I was trying to push that back and back until the last couple of weeks when cotton prices have kind of taken off. And honestly, right now, it doesn't look like there's really a bad decision that uh, could be made. We, As far as summer crops go, we've grown um, corn, cotton, and sesame seeds the last three years, but I'm adding soybeans back into that mix uh for obvious reasons at this point you bet you bet well that is a fun situation to be in drew i know uh i know you haven't been farming for like 50 years or anything but you aren't going to find this situation every year where man there really isn't a bad decision so so enjoy it have fun hopefully it dries out for you so you can get back out in the field soon thanks for calling drew we appreciate it yes sir thank you let's head down to iowa we got our friend tony wendler with us right now with farm shop mfg tony how you doing I'm doing excellent today, thank you. So, what are you the, working the on? I, there's uh, there's still a little snow out there, but we got some sunshine. Temperatures warming up. I, I I don't suppose you've been out of the shop a whole lot lately. I have. Uh, well, I've I've put off hauling some pallets. I got to haul them to the end of the driveway to load trucks. Uh, with I've uh, been uh, packaging up uh, closing wheels. Uh, with the cold weather, I just thought I don't have to do it, and those guys are not going to be in the field anyway. No, no, so that's I, for sure. 
I have uh, I just hauled some a uh, couple of pallets down to the end of the driveway and uh, loaded those on Panama transfer. But we've been we've been busy uh, packaging up and palleting uh, closing wheels and uh, hub assemblies and and talking to people about uh, issues with planting and uh, why our wheels are uh, our closing wheel with our inner shoulder what uh, why it makes such a difference in their planting things like that. All right, so there's a lot of guys working on their planters right now, and that closing system is super, super important. Talk to us about what we should be looking for as as we got things tore apart and and we're starting to do some evaluation on it. Um, on the whole planter, or are we just talking about the closing wheel assembly. Just, closing wheels, cl- closing wheels. Uh, number one, if you've still got rubber closing wheels on your planter. I think you need to be, uh, if you're not buying mine, you better buy somebody's. I, I really feel strongly about that, that uh, the uh, impact of some of these more performance closing wheels is significant and they need to take a look at something. Okay, so the next thing, we're now we get past that. Uh, when we're looking at their assemblies back there, you need to look at bearings. If you've got liquid fertilizers and that, you really need to look at your bearings because those things go a lot quicker. Uh, and while you got in the shop, it's a lot better to work on it now than out there in the field after you've just plowed a rut down the field for however many yards before you saw it. The uh, So I would take a look at that. There are other things that you might see for uh, just wear components uh, as far as on your wheels. Uh, the next thing is that your closing wheels are centering over your furrow. Uh, you got your planter folded out. Uh, I think really to do it, you have to kind of... Uh, put a chalk mark and move the planter ahead and see how you're, and you'll see those uh, openers will kind of scrape on the concrete a little bit. Don't, don't put too much down pressure on it, but get a line there. Make sure your, your closing wheels are centered properly. You know, this, I was Tony, this sounds, this sounds elementary about getting them centered, but I, I can't tell you almost every planter that I see, I'll find one row that's not centered and growers will say, well, I've got problems with row 22. Do you see anything wrong back there? And and that's one of the first things I'm looking at because uh, I see, wait a second, why why is this not centered? Well, uh, oh man, I guess it's not. And and you're right. Now's the time that we should be looking at those. And then the other question that I had for you is you mentioned if you had rubber wheels on, you should be looking at a high-performance closing wheel from somebody is a good way to look at that. And I get this question a lot. What do you think about just taking a few rows and putting something different on a few rows and comparing? Is that probably the best way to compare? Here's I've told people a few things like this. I've, uh, I've had some guys were just wondering what it might look like, things like that. And I've told them that, uh, Hey, you got a season in front of you and your corn is valuable this year. And one of the old things, uh, this is probably six years old. But uh, the data was for a corn, it only took about 10 acres per row unit to pay for a a performance closing wheel. So what I've told some guys is buy a couple, buy two, buy four, whatever. And uh, if you're wondering, you can maybe buy a couple different options. As soon as you've got some open soil in the spring that looks reasonable for tillage, go out and drag your planter around in it and just take a look at what kind of a... uh, a furrow uh, closing, it makes for it. You know, dig through it, dig through the cross line, see if your sidewall's destroyed, 
how things look. You can throw some seeds in if you want. Throw some seeds in there and plant your seeds and see how the seed soil contact. A lot of it you can just tell. Did it collapse that furrow? Is there soil clear through? No air pockets, components like that. Is it firmed back to the seed? I one of the things in my design is we looked to firm the soil back to the seed to really encase that seed. Yeah, the seed to the, soil uh, contact yeah. is just critical for for even emergence. Yes. Um, I always like to use the term entombed, but that uh, doesn't sound totally That doesn't, that doesn't sound really, good, Tony. I like, I like seed no, to soil does. contact. It sounds a yeah, lot friendlier. But, soil, but yeah, it sounds a lot friendlier, but the entombed just makes me feel like it's, uh, it's dark and enclosed. It's just all wrapped up. <laughs> well, I think the and key, I, I think the key, Tony, is, is just to do the digging. And, you know, here's, here's one of the things that I see a lot that the guys will say, man, what happened? But they're looking later in the season instead of, you know, those first few fields that you're, you're, pu- you're putting in the ground this spring, doing a lot of digging, really taking your time. We often start with our smaller fields that are a little inconvenient for us. Well, then it's no big deal if you take a little extra time there. Uh, we're talking with Tony Wendler with Farm Shop MFG. You can find more details about the closing wheels that Tony's talking about at farmshopmfg.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. The Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plugged nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, insulation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases a seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's a secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit mybayerplus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. 
It's not about how quickly you come out of the gate with nitrogen fertilizer, but how strong you finish the race. High Striker uses patent-pending chemistry to stabilize your nitrogen in a form that lasts longer in your crop's root zone. Because for high yields, your nitrogen must last longer, so you can finish the season stronger. Visit agrotechusa.com to learn why so many growers are going the distance with High Striker treated nitrogen. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on Farmer Friday. That means if you've got an agronomic question, we'd love to hear it. We'd love to help you if we can, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Uh, we were just talking with Tony Wendler with Farm Shop MFG, just talking about closing wheels and you know, just thinking about all those replaceable parts or wearable parts on the plant here. There's certainly a lot of work to do getting ready for this planting season. We look at it as really about eight weeks away and we hope to be in the field. It's pretty dry here. So unless things drastically change by spring, we get a good shot of being in there on time. Let's head over to Wisconsin. We got Warren with us right now. Warren, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Good, good. You're looking at soil tests. I understand you got a few questions. I, I do. So I went to smaller sample uh, grid samples for this year. Um, cool. I was always kind of doing eight to 10 acres. I went down to three acres this last year, this last fall. And I know it's had quite a bit of variability in my pH, like you guys have been saying. So um, kind of lime those areas. You know, I have a lot of areas that were six, five, six, seven, but I had some that were mixed in there, five, 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 seven, which yep. is surprising, of course. But yep. so I kind of limed all those areas to get them back to where I need them to be. But of course, I know till this is sandier soil. Um, and of course, that's going to take a few years to come available. So my thought was, hey, I could spread a little gypsum in those areas, get some more calcium out there. But then I remember reading Neil Kenzie's book a while back, and he said gypsum won't change base saturation on calcium. So if you spread gypsum out there and your pH is off, does that mean that calcium is not going to become available? No, it can come available. He just worries about, all right, if you haven't done anything with getting your calcium level up near 60%, but you just said you put some lime out. I, I I would say you made the comment it won't come available for a few years or several years or whatever it was exactly you said there, but we don't know that for sure. I don't know what your, your ECCE was of that lime, number one, and number two, it's dependent on heat and moisture. So if we have a fair amount of heat and a fair amount of moisture, it might break down and come available sooner for you. So anyway, if you need more, if you feel like you need more calcium, you can certainly add some gypsum, especially if you also need the sulfur. Because let's not forget, the sulfur is a really, really big portion of that. And that's one of the things, in fact, we, Darren and I were just meeting with a group of farmers here a little while ago. We were talking about the lack of sulfur for a lot of these guys, because a lot of these, the guys we met with are going for higher yields. And we just said, guys, don't forget about this. Everybody talks about nitrogen and then they get to P and K and they forget about sulfur. So you got to get the sulfur out there too. So you're going to get double benefit. And especially in your lighter soil, you got to have sulfur every single year and maybe even an in-season application of sulfur wouldn't hurt you as well. So, yeah, yeah, I've actually I've actually gone to doing that. So I put like uh, 125, 150 pounds down in the spring. I'll actually go over the top even on the beans once in a while and throw some extra sulfur out there mid season. Sure. Yep. Um, another question I have here, real quickly, if you don't mind, is so in my heavier soil is more of a peat type soil. High, yep. It's 15 to 20 percent organic matter. I have a really hard time with manganese, so <laughs> trying to get manganese available to the plant. Have you guys done anything with manganese in furrow? Yeah, we absolutely have. 
Yes. See a good response on that? Yes. Yep. We have seen that go into the plant. We have seen our tissue levels be higher. So that can work. You could also do a little bit of foliar feeding that way. But yeah, yeah when you start yeah, when you start talking about fifteen to twenty percent organic matter, that is a real challenge because it's going to tie up everything. I mean, herbicide, fertilizer, everything. It's it's tough. Now, the good news is you have organic matter. So I think some guys mm-hmm. that have 1% or less organic matter would like a lot more, but yeah, it's it's just a challenge in the other way. So we also yeah, could been, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I would say this cuz I've been trying to work on my base saturation K, which is hard down there, you know, so yep. I've been putting about 600 pounds of five to 600 pounds of potash a year on for four straight years. I've got it up to three and a half percent now. It wasn't oh. like one and a half, but yep. it takes forever to get that moved up. Yep, that's right. But you know, the good news is once you get it up, it's going to stay up. But yeah, a lot of times when guys deal with those types of soils, they try thinking about, all right, what do I need to do to start burning up the organic matter? So it's just the exact opposite of almost everybody else in the world. But yeah, sometimes more tillage can help. Uh, I don't know. Our, our dad used to tell us they had some uh, peat spots down in Iowa where he was originally from, where if a fire starts in the field, it might be burning for like a year. <laughs> so, yeah, it's yeah. you got you to gotta be careful with what you're doing in that kind of ground. Yep, I appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Thank you. Hey, Brian, had, had a question that came in from Sean in Indiana, and she said, guys, we got some snow, and I've always heard there's nitrogen in the snow. How there much is. nitrogen actually is in the snow? Not much. Um, you can test it, so that's what I would suggest, and then you'll have the exact answer. It's going to vary depending on where you're at. Darren and I were just talking about this. Darren had brought up a caller who had a glass factory right next to his ground and he was really high on some particular micronutrient well the dust in that area is higher in certain nutrients than in other areas so i don't know what kind of stuff is in your area but the point is just take the snow i mean just catch the snow and send it in for analysis when it melts uh, and they'll tell you what what exactly is in there so it's not going to be much nitrogen but there would be just a little bit yeah, I, I just uh, looked it up just to see what, what uh, would what be they said say online. online. They said, well, this is uh, obviously not in the United States, but they said there's 7 milligrams of nitrogen gas per square foot or about one-third of a kilogram on an acre, so not a whole lot. But, you know, it just depends on. They're, they're, obviously, it's going to vary. There's a lot of nitrogen in the air. And, exactly. Yeah, it's just a question of how much is going to be the yep. snow. But you're but right. Yeah, there could be right. a little Measuring nitrogen, it is, a little sulfur. is a good idea. And, hey, there's nothing wrong with catching rain, catching snow out in your field, and just checking every once in a while to see what's in it. Yep. All right, got a couple of questions here from Tom. And uh, first one, he said, will cover crops help with water filtration in the soil? Sure. Anything growing will help with water filtration in the soil. The more roots you have, the more your soil in, is held in place. Infiltration? Is that kind of what you're Wait, commenting? No, when filtration. Said, okay, so I'm filtering, not filtering out any... Yes, filtering out contaminants. Okay, gotcha. Of course, because the plant is going to suck up what... Uh, what downstream water people call contaminants, we as farmers call fertilizer. So we need the nitrate. We need the phosphorus or, you know, any, anything that there would happen to be in that, in that soil. And that's going to get sucked up. Now, the good thing is a lot of our nutrients aren't very leachable. You take nitrogen, 
or it'll convert over to nitrate, and sure, that's leachable. Sulfate, boron, I get that. But fortunately, phosphorus, copper, zinc, there are a bunch of others that they just they don't move very much. So, but anyway, yes, contaminants is they're probably talking about nutrients, and it will get sucked up by the cover crop. All right, Tom's other question is: How exactly does having roots in the soil build organic matter? Do the roots provide food for the micro? microorganisms in the soil or what is going on what organic matter is is it's decayed plant and animal residue and when the roots die then they break down and they eventually become organic matter in the soil so there you go so the roots have a lot of carbon and microorganisms and and other things like earthworms in the soil are going to break them down they they do need the microorganisms do need some nitrogen to to fully break down that carbon source but yes it's it's pretty nice when we can leave them undisturbed in the soil that makes a big difference all right get one from brandon here he said this might be an elementary question but i wonder if you'd take a minute talking about herbicide tank mixing orders can it be broken down by groups as to what goes first if you have a couple different products and the label says add before anything else how do you know which one of them should go first and brandon's from ohio okay so the very very simple way to think about this is the hardest stuff to mix you put in first. So I often say the furthest thing from water. So if it's dry, well, then that's got to go in first. If it's a thick liquid, that's got to go in next. If it's a thin liquid, then that goes in last. So that's, as a general statement, what your order would be. I've heard other people say, take the most expensive and most important thing that's going (laughs) in that tank and make sure that that gets mixed first, but it doesn't always work out that way. Do not do that. And the other thing that I've, I've heard that I think is pretty useful is, look... You don't have to dump everything into a thousand gallon spray tank. Exactly. You could mix it in a five gallon bucket and make sure well, that that dry gets into good solution. But that's the next thing. All these products are designed to mix in water. They're not designed to mix in water plus chemical. So when you've got two dries, for example, don't throw the first one in and then throw the second one in after that. Put the second one, slurry it, and then dump it in, and then you know both of them got mixed and be using agitation while you go. All right, we'll be right back after this. It's about time. Time for unprecedented season-long foliar disease protection. Formulated for a convenient at-plant application, new first-of-their-kind Inferro Zyway brand fungicides deliver complete inside-out protection from day one. From root to tassel, stalk to leaf. From planting through harvest. The active ingredient, Flutriophol, moves from the soil through your plants as your corn grows. Change the way you approach foliar disease protection from the start. With first of their kind Inferro Zyway 3D and Zyway LFR fungicides. Available only from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides qualify for the exclusive agronomic and economic incentives of the FMC Freedom Pass program. Visit your FMC retailer or zyway.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid, 
Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim. I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of Burndown. New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds. Even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions. Uh, Brian, we got a soil test here. We get a lot of soil tests in. This one comes from Larry, and he said, I did apply three tons of lime per acre in the spring of 2020. Uh, I've got an 80-acre field here. I'm just wondering how much of that, how much of that lime is released now how much is showing up on my test yeah how soon will i need to reapply and then do you see anything else there that i should be looking at well unfortunately we can't answer those questions exactly what we can tell you is you've got a five six ph and light soil six to eight cec uh but with your if you go back to the line that you put on and look at the ecce and most importantly look at the fineness of that lime how fine was that lime how much went through a 60 mesh how much went through a 100 mesh screen and that will usually help guide us as to how quickly it's going to come available. But, you know, I just as a complete guess, I'm simply going to say there's most likely some lime that's got to come available yet. And also, I know this, that you don't have to have much lime to change your soil pH when you've got really, really light soil like you do. So you don't want to overdo it. That can be problematic. But is it possible that you might need just a little touch more lime? Yes, it's certainly possible. And obviously your calcium's a little on the low side. He's in the 40s and 50s on calcium percentage because his hydrogen's in the 30 in the 30s because the pH is low. So when he gets enough lime out there, he will get that up. Or let me rephrase that. When enough lime comes available, uh, and it, it, it makes the conversion over, then it should be fine. I would say, too, keep in mind that when you're going to have lime change your pH or raise your pH, it requires water. For us, after July 5th last year, since that time, so from July 6th to today, we've had about four total inches of precip. That includes the snow. Four. Let me, let me say that one more time. Not 40, not 14. We've had four. 
So would any lime break down in four inches of precip over eight months and come available? No. <laughs> well, maybe a touch, but but you're not there. So uh, beyond that, he's really, really, really low on potassium. 1.8% base saturation K and 100 pounds, not parts per million, pounds of K or less in the field. So you need a lot of K, you need a lot of phosphorus added, and beyond that, um, your sulfur is a little on the low side, and let's see, uh, boron's a little on the low side, which we would expect. You're, every single year, you're always in that light soil, going to have to put on nitrogen for any crop that needs it, and sulfur and boron. The sulfur and boron are most likely going to disappear every single year because of your light soil. So there you go. All right. Thanks for that question. Uh, this one comes from Robert in Southeast Missouri. Robert said, thanks for answering my previous questions, but I've got a follow-up for you. I've got a seven to nine CEC soil, and we are looking for ideas of upping our potassium levels in season besides what we're putting on dry at planting time. Sure. Just wondering about a liquid K yep. product at side dress. Sure. We've even considered the idea that. of flying some on foliar and we do seem like we get a benefit putting on K later in the season. Yes, absolutely. In really light soil, especially where you're warm and have lots of moisture, it just isn't going to hold well. See, we're in the opposite situation. That's why we talk so much about soil K. As heavy as our ground is, as little rainfall as we have, and as cold as we are when we're frozen five months out of the year, we're not losing K. I don't care how much I, I put on. I could put on enough for uh, my great grandkids and I'm still not going to lose it. And I'm dead serious. But in your case, yes, you will be losing some most likely and it would most likely benefit you to put some K on in season. The issue that we have with foliar feeding is you can't put on much. If you start putting on much, all of a sudden you burn the crop. So side dress makes a lot of sense. Y drop, whatever, whatever it is. I mean, you, you can add some that way. So that's probably what we would look at. And you know, you can certainly do a little foliar feeding as well. I'm just saying that's most likely not going to be enough. All right. Thanks for the question, Robert. Uh, this one comes in from Shane in Virginia. He said, I'm following your TV show, subscribe to your magazine, and learning a lot. He said, I'm mostly no-till or vertical till on my farm. We recently purchased a larger tractor with auto steer and GPS, and I'm drilling wheat with that. My problem is I also want to use it to plant corn, and my tires are on a 90-inch spacing, which, of course, will put me right on top of two rows when I'm planting. I hate to move the tires if I don't have to, because I just have to move them back out for other tasks. I plant corn on corn <laughs> yep. and straddling the old crop is also a positive. Just wondering what you think about that. And I got a couple other things too. Um, okay. So yeah, when you're just getting started, things kind of stink because you end up having to move things around and you have to use tractors for multiple purposes. What we do is we just have two different tractors. Uh, or if we were in that situation, we would have two different tractors. I mean, on our farm, in the past, we've had two different sprayers. If we were having to spray wheat and spray something else at the same time, we just had two different sprayers. It was no big deal. But again, when you're just starting out, it's tough. And yeah, I don't know what else to tell you other than you're going to have to move things. All right. Uh, Shane also mentioned he, he heard us speak at the 2020 Commodity Classic. Just wondering what the plans were this year for Commodity Classic. Yeah, so we actually already recorded our presentation that will will air in a couple of weeks for Commodity Classic. So everything's going to be virtual for Commodity Classic this year. It really stinks. And, you know, there's such a variance from state to state. We're 
very lucky that we live in South Dakota where we were never locked down. They had a lockdown for people above age 65 for two weeks in two counties of the state. That was it. That was our only lockdown. And so now, granted, I mean, there are a lot of people that have gotten uh, COVID here, but the, the flip side of the whole thing is kids went to school. Uh, we haven't had all the cases of depression and everything else that people have suffered in other states because of lockdown. So I'm not going to get political or anything else, but I, I would say here in South Dakota, things are wide open. We've had meetings here over the last month. Um, and we have limited attendance, but still, we had a lot of people. And in many states, you couldn't even have the few people that we had. So I, 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 I understand why they are going all virtual this year for Commodity Classic. We're certainly hoping and assuming that everybody who wants a vaccine will have been able to get one by May. And we've got a big event planned for late June here on our farm and then our Ag PhD field day where where, where we are expecting 10,000 farmers in late July. All right. Thanks for the question. Uh, got a question about lodging. This is from Raul. Oh, hey, I don't know if I specifically answered his question. He was probably wondering what we're talking about. I don't know that you said that, but I'm if he's wondering what we're talking about for Commodity Classic, we're going to talk about dicamba, uh, about just weed control in general in corn and soybeans, and we're going to talk about new traits. Oh, we've got one thing in there, too, about these COVID vaccines and how they relate to BT corns. You might be interested in that, and I think they, they may still have some free opportunities to check out Commodity Classic. So you can just go to commodityclassic.com for more information on that. All right. Uh, got a question from Rahul, and he said, you were talking about lodging in crop, just to be sure I'm thinking the same thing you guys are. You're talking about it's not standing upright. Right. It's but tipped over. could you explain to me how I could overcome that problem in a variety of crops? This is occasionally an issue. Yeah, absolutely. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the show. If you've got any stalk type issues, whether it's lodging or green snap, the first thing you can do is reduce your planting population. Next thing that you can do is take a look at drainage and make sure that you've got your drainage any drainage issues alleviated because if you have a drainage problem your roots are going to be cut off below ground they might only grow six inches deep or a foot deep or something like that instead of these six feet we like them to grow to better anchor the plant um, also compaction that's the next thing we want those roots to go down and be great so you got to reduce compaction and then finally it's uh, it's fertility it's weed control insect control disease control all those kind of things oh i should say specifically in the fertility and what we were talking about earlier in the show to potassium is always number one like by far and away but then copper and manganese really enter into that as well. So anytime you have a lodging issue, reduce your planting population, make sure you've got adequate K, manganese, and uh, and copper, and you're going to be most of the way there. A quick question from Brad in Iowa. He said, I'm wondering about the Neil Kinsey seminar coming up. Will that content be available for a few days after the, the meeting? I have trouble with internet connectivity. It was sure nice to see your agronomy workshops even a few days later. Oh, thought you were covering that. Yes, uh, yes, it will be up for, I believe, a week. That, so that's what the plan is right now, to have it up for one week after the event. Yeah, if you'd still like to attend virtually with the Neil Kinsey Seminar, you can sign up for that at agphd.com. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. 
Now stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio.